Greetings, family, and welcome to Your Week with St. Luke's, where we explore scripture together, learning the story of our faith, and set ourselves up to practice our love for God as we move towards worship on Sunday. I'm Pastor Jeremy, and we're continuing our 23 and Me sermon series. Last week, we focused on asking the questions, who am I and why am I, and answering those questions, beloved and called. This week, we ponder what we'll do with all that how we'll ultimately respond to the things that inspire our holy discontent. So let's get started. You can go ahead and turn your Bible or whatever you use to access scripture to the 40th Psalm, or like I would hear in church growing up, the 40th division of the book of Psalms. Uh, We're going to be looking specifically at verses 1 through 11. Uh, As you pull that up and get ready, let's do a quick review of some of the things that we know about the Psalms and how to read them. One of the best places to start when studying scripture is that of genre. The Psalms fall into the genre of poetry. They are a collection of sacred songs intended to be sung to music. Uh, The Psalms are sometimes referred to as a microcosm of scripture. That's it, because even though they fall into the genre of poetry, almost every other biblical literary genre is touched on in the book. Returning to the idea of the Psalms as poetry, uh, let's remember that poetry is characterized by symbolic language. Special emphasis is placed on um, how the psalmist uses this language to communicate and express intense feeling. Um, and in the Psalms, we get some of the highest highs, but also some of the lowest lows in scripture. And we learn from Old Testament scholar Brent Strawn that when uh, reading the Psalms as poetry, sometimes the way something is said is just as important even more important than the thing that's being said itself. Um, Now that we've all had a little bit of time to turn to uh, the 40th Psalm, let's observe the text together. Um, I'll be reading from the NRSV and of course starting with verse 1, ending with verse 11. Let's read the text together. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit and out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put trust in the Lord. Happier those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, uh, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me uh, an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Uh, Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is written within my heart. I've told the good news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love or your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold from me your mercy. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Now, we're going to try to do an old school verse by verse breakdown of this passage. So let's start with verses one through three. Um, 
Um, our very first verse contains words that we hear a lot in the Psalms. I waited patiently for the Lord. And although many English translations translate it this way, when we take a closer look, it's possible that a more faithful translation could be, I eagerly waited on the Lord. As the word kava translated here as patiently, typically conveys an eager hope. There are even translations of the text that, that read, impatiently, I waited on the Lord. But the point is, it's important to get a, to make a good interpretive choice here because it contextualizes the state of being in mind that the psalmist cries out to the Lord from. It's one of those lowest lows that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, knowing this makes it all the more impactful that the Lord actually hears the cry of the psalmist. Verses uh, two and three outline how God responds to the cries and faithful waiting of the psalmist. Uh, they report that God has lifted them from the pit, typically language used to describe Sheol or hell, and from the muck of life and placed them on a rock. We, do, we don't know specifically what the trouble is that uh, the psalmist is asking God to save them from. We don't know what the circumstance was, but it's possible, it's possible that they were asking to be saved from war or from a life-threatening sickness or some other oppression. Uh, but we understand from the poetic expression that God has answered them by rescuing them and placing and replacing the crisis uh, in cries that they that, that were in their mouth with a new song of God's goodness so that others might hear and trust God to do the same for them. This is where the psalm turns evangelistic. Looking at verses four and five, the song goes from talking about the new song that God, the psalmist goes from talking about the new song that God has given them to actually singing the song. It's simply that those who trust in God, uh, the God who has liberated them, the God of Israel, will see the kind of salvation that we hear about in the previous verses. Continuing his song of the Lord's goodness in verse five, the psalmist depicts uh, uh, God's acts as so numerous that they're incalculable. Uh, this communicates both God's faithfulness, but also God's omnipotence. Uh, now that we understand uh, that the God that the psalmist speaks of is a kind God who hears the cries of the needy and saves them, they move to speaking about what this God requires. This God doesn't require sacrifice or offering, uh, at least not traditional ones that you would expect to see in the temple. Instead, they say that the Lord has given them open ears. Here we have some of the most interesting poetic language in the entire psalm. Uh, we lose it a bit in the English translation, but the word for uh, the word that, that's translated as open here uh, in the original Hebrew is kara, which means to dig or excavate. The psalmist wants us to not only know that the Lord has given them new ears, but that the Lord has dug them or carved them new ears as if carving into the earth or digging into the earth. Uh, with this statement starts an interesting chain of poetic language that we'll come back to in our end notes. Uh, the song goes on to depict the speaker presenting themselves to God saying, I am here in the scroll of the book. It is written of me here in verses seven and eight. Uh, we hear of deep and intimate relationship between the writer and God. The psalmist has been written about in the heavenly account and in like kind, God's will has been written on the written on the heart of the psalmist. In verse 9, we are informed of who has bore witness to the new song of the psalmist. They let us know that they have told the glad news and deliverance they experienced in the great congregation so that everyone could hear. 
in verse 10, uh, they go on to speak about how they have not kept the goodness of the Lord to themselves or hidden in their hearts. They have told all that will listen about God's faithfulness and salvation and steadfast love. Uh, when we get to our final verse, there's a bit of a surprise where we typically might expect to hear further praise. The psalmist makes a plea basically asking that uh, basically asking that just as he is not withheld uh, the word of God's goodness and wonder and mercy, that God not withhold that mercy from them. And all of a sudden we realize that this isn't just a psalm of praise and thanksgiving for the salvation of the past, but it's a, a, a psalm of lament, a psalm of disorientation where the writer reminisces on the acts of God before uh, questioning, before asking for God's mercy mercy for their current for their current trouble. This psalm subverts expectations in the way that uh, the typical movement of a lament psalm would be plea, lament, resolution, and thanksgiving. Uh, but here we get thanksgiving and then a plea and then a lament. And eventually towards the end of this chapter, which we don't read, uh, we get thanksgiving again. Uh, due to this abnormality and the fact that the latter half of the psalm basically uh, identically mirrors another another passage of scripture, scholars believe that it came as a result of combining two texts. Uh, the psalmist does something powerful in this text by tying bodily image uh, throughout the uh, throughout the work. Starting back in verse six, I said we come back to it. Um, after stating that God does not require uh, sacrifices or offering to tell us that God has dug them new ears. A few verses later, we see that God's law is written on their heart. And uh, throughout the chapter, the psalmist talks about how they have not restrained their lips from talking about God and letting everyone know about the good works of God. One could take all this and understand it uh, to mean that while God does not look for burnt offerings or traditional sacrifices, what God does want is ears willing to listen or someone willing, for, uh, will, someone willing to allow God to give them ears. Hearts willing to receive God's instructions and lips willing to tell of God's good work and love in their lives. Um, I wonder what we can learn from the psalmist in this matter. What is the new song that God has given you to sing? And where will you sing it? Who will you sing it for? How will you sing it? Uh, because even though the Psalms are poetry, even though the Psalms are songs, uh, I don't know that the things that they communicate to us about how we navigate the life of faith have to be sung from us. I think that your song is found in whatever your gifting, whatever your call is, whatever that thing that inspires your holy discontent is, however you'll respond to that, that just might be your song. And so I hope that you'll go through your week pondering that and allowing the Lord to give you ears and a heart and lips that don't restrain his praise.